Oh, what a glorious thing to be, a nice, obedient, busy, busy bee. To be a good bee, one must contrive, for bees in a beehive must be hive. But maybe I wouldn't be a bee, bees are all right when alive, you see. When bees die, you really should see them, pinned on a card in the Mookie Museum. <laughs> Dirty Hooers. Cross-Atlantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who should probably be working. We're not afraid to say it like it is. All the word bollocks. www.dirtywhoers.com Follow us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. If you like that kind of thing. Also on Facebook. Deal with it. Geronimo! Fantastic. L on C. Cock. With your hosts. Number one assistant. Terry Lightfoot. Oolong Sputters Sputnik. Resident Pixie. Fuchsia Begonia. Lord President Sam. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It feels like it's been ages because it has been ages. Last time, the Wheel of Who said we had to review the Web Planet, which is kind of a nice touch doing a William Hartnell 50th anniversary. Yeah, Web Planet. Can't remember what episode number it was, but it was definitely season two. Obviously produced by the marvelously milfy Varsity Lambert, written by Bill Sutton, directed by. Richard Martin. Not that Richard Martin, a different Richard Martin, but still Richard Martin. Anyway. It's uh, obviously the Doctor and Jacqueline Hill and the awesome William Russell as one of the greatest companions ever, Ian Chester. It's got the utterly pointless Vicky in it, Maureen O'Brien. She wasn't pointless. Oh, come on, really? She was wearing a really cute dress with the master's collar around. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, she had a nice frog. That's the best we can (laughs) find out of it. Yeah, pretty Fucking hell. So, how do you describe Web Planet? It's like watching paint dry, only a bug gets stuck in it. No. Well, that would be exciting. Hold on. It's not bad. Can we just cut it there? No. Yeah. Let's talk about Gallifrey now. Terry, tell us about Galley. Yay! I had so much fun. Because this time, I knew people. And I almost got their faces right with their names and then remembered, hey, they're wearing name tags. What's my fucking problem? Just read the name. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, That's bless classic, you. You're so special. I had a lot of fun. Just definitely, I am way too shy to walk up to celebrities and interrupt their day, even though they are there to talk to nerds like me. I don't know what my fucking problem is. Technically, I think you're a geek. I think, I think your friend, the correct friend. <laughs> yeah, I've got social problems. Definitely knew what I wanted to see. Hinchcliffe was there, the creator of the golden years of Doctor Who with Tom Baker. So I was like, oh, the clouds were parting and everything. And then all those people from that era were there. So I was freaking out. I went to as much of their panels that I could. And Philip Hinchcliffe was interesting, although he's like really nice and diplomatic. I could use a little more dirt. But then we had Dick Mills, the sound dude. (laughs) She said Dick Mills. <laughs> when he showed up for the very first day and they presented all the guests, we're having this guy, and they come out on the stage and they're like, yay! 
We love you. He came out and, and, and Nick. was wearing this light red blazer and a Union Jack tie. Definitely did not want to blend into the background. This guy, he's a character. <laughs> And when he was on stage, he was very funny, very amusing, really cute old guy with a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, the whole sound stuff that he did. And then they had June Hudson, who's fucking awesome, and she managed to give you the dirt on people and say it in this really nice, polite, British way. It was June Hudson, costume lady? Worst way possible. Costume lady, she's fucking awesome. Okay. And she designed the Tom Baker scarf, all of Tom Baker's outfits. Outfits, Romana's outfits. Uh, she was on it. She also said that sometimes she was in charge of some of the monster things, and she talked about that and working with other departments. And she had the slideshow of her drawing. She would do these sketches, and her ability for very quick gestural drawing that at the same time holds amazing amounts of detail. Every time she drew Tom Baker and his outfit, his face was just fully Tom Baker with just a few movements of the pencil. They were beautiful to look at besides just being amazing documents of Doctor Who, right? I ran around with Lewis Bailey and Nancy Alegria. They are from the Happiness Patrol and they're super, super nice. And we went around harassing everybody, looking for Neve McIntosh and in the process harassed Peter Purvis, harassed... uh, (laughs) She said Purvis. Yeah, I know. When I said his name, I said perps. This is why we never have anything nice. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed nice to That's That's just it right there. He was so sweet and nice, even though I asked him to do a, a station ID or whatever you call it for the dirty whores. He just gave me this look like, what the fuck am I doing? Is this going to bite me in the ass later on? It almost <laughs> certainly will. Yes. <laughs> Bumped into Nick Briggs. I said something completely inane to him and felt immediately embarrassed. And he just gave me this look like, what the fuck? And ran. You didn't uh, tell him you knew me, did you? <laughs> That's no, a make him run. No. I found that. And early in the morning, Tardis Sarah was building her Tardis and asking everybody to help her build it. And then Nancy got in trouble for using the wrong screw in the Tardis. She said screw. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, the so then later, someone did that later. in the Tardis. We had a new time lord. Oh shit! The last time someone did that in the Tardis, it fell apart. Yes. (laughs) And then later, we were hanging out in the bar, and we see the companion everybody loves to hate. What's his name? He's a ginger. What's his face? The metrosexual guy with the speedos. Turlo. Turlo. Yes, Turlo. We came across Turlo in the bar, holding court to all these young women. He's fun. I met him in the nineties. He's he's cool. And he says hi to us, and he does this really weird thing. I don't know if it's a nervous tick or what, but he was like staring straight into my eyes and doing this thing with his tongue. I wanted to turn around and run. It was freaking me out. (laughs) He does this like nervous lizard thing with his tongue. Can we move on now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was really creepy. I need to go to sleep. Because now I've got this mental image of Turlo lying on some kind of hot rock making lizard gestures. That's what it was like. I was like, okay, we gotta go. Bye. If this wasn't a Dirty Hoers review of a convention, I don't know what was. Thank God he's never gonna listen to this, right? Right. Um, I I wouldn't bank on it. We do have some famous listeners. I I don't think he's one of them, but we do have some. Yeah. Really? He's actually really cool. He does a lot of work trying to help stop poaching in Africa. Kudos to him for that, apart from being really creepy in bars. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
I met him when I was 17, so I guess I didn't interact much in bars with him. <laughs> and I didn't get the tongue thing either, although oh. I don't know if that was because we were sober. I was I'm the male, wrong gender, brother. I was 17. Awesome, Terry. I'm glad you had a fantastic hey, time. No, How fucking long is this review, Terry? Mother of Jesus that. fucking H. Christ on a bike. <laughs> it's supposed to be 30 minutes, this podcast. Jesus H. <laughs> Later, we run into Neve McIntosh in the bar, and she ends up being completely sweet, nice, sociable, fun. And we have this long chat with her. I want her to move into the house next to me and be my next-door neighbor and my best friend now. Okay, so and- that's 50% of the podcast done then. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, we did the actual interview, which you can hear on the Happiness Patrol. Also, I hung out with the guys from the Ferris Project, Pete and Paul. Oh, Tony Lee dressed as the master he was wearing the actual jacket that Ainley wore so there you go and the nicest person I met was Cyber Testicle he was there you can't call him that anymore you called something else now you're not allowed to call him Cyber Testicle whatever he's called he is Dig Spinach on Twitter he found me and he goes Terry Lightfoot and I'm like what? Do it like that. No. And he, <laughs> he kind of did. You can see my pe- He didn't come up and talk like that, did he? No. No. He kind of did, though. He was really, really sweet, really happy to meet me. Oh, my God. I wish I'd had more time to spend with him because he was so, so incredibly nice. But I was just too busy running around like a chicken with my head cut off. That is my review. Yeah, someone like you, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, 18 minutes in. To our 30-minute podcast. Fuck. And... About Neve McIntosh? I totally would. If I were, I would. With or without the lizard head? Either way. Okay, fair dues. Mm. Equal opportunity stalker. I wondered if she was like that last that played the half Klingon in Voyager, who, like, oh, yeah. you'd only do her in the Klingon outfit because she wasn't that hot without the Klingon outfit, oddly. Right, yeah. I, yeah. I never watched Voyager long Bilana. enough to see that character. Uh, in the street, some Voyager's really good. I was always a big Janeway fan. I thought she was actually quite a good captain. Controversial, <laughs> I know. Janeway needed to be punched really hard. Yeah, but she, she drank coffee and fucked over the bog. Till her fucking 1900s hairdo. She turned into a giant space slug because she went too fast. I mean, dear God. Yeah. That series just sucked. It was only marginally less worse than Enterprise. Anyway, the Doctor Who podcast. Deep Space Nine rules. No, Babylon 5 rules. Prof, please cut a load of this sh- fucking waffle. No, Prof, <laughs> leave it all in. It's just all gold. All in. Oh, how the tracks. Thank you very much. <laughs> My shit after I got drunk off Goldschlager was kind of gold too, but that doesn't mean it should keep it. Still gonna flush it down the fucking toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are a class act. Hello, I'm Neve McIntosh, and I love the Dirty Hoops. Well, I tell you what, I'll explain the Dirty Hoops rating system because we've got a lot of new listeners and a lot of new people on the Facebook page and stuff. So our rating system is based on how much we would pay for a 70s prostitute or gigolo. It starts right at the bottom of the scale with the free BJ and works its way right up in increments of 5, 10, 20 and top is the $50 whore and that in a nutshell is our rating system it's so much less painful when you do it I know I have a tattoo with it written on right we're good five gee that's really generous <gasps> I'm just saying a free blowjob I guess Oh, 20. Yeah, 20. Okay, because this thing is very ambitious for the time. Oh, yeah. God, yes. Yeah. But it is just so woefully misguided. This is like some kind of dreadful performance art piece 
which is just saved only by the lack of audience participation. It's boring, incomprehensible, messed up, monochromatic, stunted waffle. This could have been one single episode. Certainly in a modern format, it would have been one single episode. It would have had a lot of CGI in it, I admit, and it would have been bad for that. But no matter how well-meaning it was at the time, this is just painful to watch now. William Hartnell just kind of cruises his way in a daze through at least the first two episodes of this. He doesn't know where he is for most of it. <laughs> and the only person holding it together is William Russell. And he's struggling to keep this on track and to keep the rest of the cast like even interested. I'm sure it was very progressive at the time, but please, no matter how well-meaning this was, Jesus, giant wasp costumes, really? There was some beautiful mime work, but really that only dredges it above a free BJ for me. I have seen it before, and I really don't remember it being this bad because I must have just been infused with watching it for the first time. I've got to be honest, re-watching this, I only managed the first four episodes. I meant to watch the last two. I really couldn't be arsed. It was too short. There's so many episodes that were more interesting. I remember reading the book years ago, and it's great. It's much better than the program because it's just so many big, long, extravagant shots where fuck all's happening in them, shambling around. <laughs> tripping over its thorax in the mid-ground. It's just... (laughs) And, oh, God, no, it's dreadful, dreadful. Somebody else take over. It is truly, truly awful. But it is so awful that it is brilliant. It's like Conan the Barbarian, the Schwarzenegger Ah. one, not the new one. It is so far out the other side of appalling that it is a work of genius. How can you not love it when you've got really dozy costumes that people can't move in? They're running into the cameras. They're falling over each other. The bees are swanning around and being all bee I mean, the fact that they still actually managed to do better costumes for the bees in 1960 than they did for the Vespa form in the noughties. It's awesome. It is just so stupid. And I love the little springtail things just swinging around going, everybody's just hilarious. It is the absolute epitome of everything that is both the best and worst about Doctor Who. So you're giving it a good review because it's bad? Yes, and I have a huge soft spot for it because it is so bad. It is wonderful. There's so many good episodes that are on. So many good episodes that are missing and this survived. That's just... Oh, I know, really. It's just the way of things. The only thing that really annoys me about this particular story is the fact that under no circumstances do I ever believe that someone as sartorially elegant as Ian, who manages to get through entire scrapes, fights and dusts up without so much as displacing a hair would actually use a school tie to hold his trousers up. Not happening. Okay. Well, they have been through hell and back. He's way too cool to use a tie to hold his trousers <laughs> up. Okay, I'm just going to ditto what Sputnik said. I couldn't put it any better than he did. I mean, once you get past the pantomime ants, or whatever the fuck they are, what else is there? It's all downhill from there, from that one laugh. I just... Uh, that's it. One of the funniest things is the wire work, and the obvious lack of expertise of anybody in involved in it because the bees will be standing there and all of a sudden they'll just shoot up into the air with a really surprised expression on their faces because they weren't expecting the rope men to pull quite that hard it's brilliant okay (laughs) i think if i had to highlight it would be atmospheric density jackets oh my god that was awesome i thought they were quite cool that would be great if you could just like put on a jacket it's got a little thing Ah, you're good for a couple hours it's still shit though yeah (laughs) 
Very much so. Well, I'm sitting here on the episode guide on Wikipedia, and I'm looking at season two as a body of work. And it's really a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. I hate to say this, and, and you guys know that I absolutely love the beginning era of Doctor Who. I think the Dalek invasion of Earth is rather overrated. This season opened with Planet of the Giants, which is definitely worse than the web planet. The historicals of this season, I don't think, are anywhere near the stronger showings of the What, what have you got? Crusade, Romans? Rescue. Yeah, they're all right. I quite like Space Ta- Museum. Space Museum is all right. I thought mm-hmm. Time Meddler was quite oh. good, especially from a Doctor Who mythology standpoint. Looking back mm-hmm. later, the first time we met another Time Lord, but at the time, I don't think it was that great either. This is really a weak season. You got and the chase as well, though. I <laughs> loathe the chase. I like bits of it, you see. And, and were, it, were it not for the fact that we also get to see the inside of another time ship for the first mm-hmm. time in the chase, I think that's a steaming pile of shit myself. <laughs> okay. The thing is, when I look at the rest of the season, there's a lot of really bad concepts that are executed okay. But I think the web planet is a fantastic concept that was executed very poorly. And I would much rather have an episode of science fiction that is a great idea and original and unique that they couldn't see through to the end than just another cardboard cutout shit that was done okay. Mm-hmm. And and I guess that's why I dislike so much of the RTD era, because I don't think enough of it was original, risk-taking science fiction. And this was, and it didn't work. It's so hard to get past the visuals in this. But underneath it was a great insight into a young Time Lord that was fucking clueless. The only one more clueless in this story than Hartnell was the Doctor. But they never knew what to do with Hartnell, really. It was the Ian Chesterton show with some... Some old dude who knew ships. So, God, fuck is he good. Yeah, he uh, And he did hold us together, barely. Mm-hmm. The you could, thing you could, is... You could actually see in his face, though, just appealing for Hartnell just to give him some kind of fucking reaction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, 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 will you don't... just fucking remember your lines, William? Please, what? I was going to say, his lines out, could he? Mm. No, well, he really and... couldn't. And, and I don't know what early research there was into Alzheimer's medication, but whatever he was <laughs> taking, he was a giggly little bratty kid. I know, what the fuck was all that? It follows straight on from the Romans. One of the reasons I'm not overly fond of the Romans is the bit at the end where he's giggling in exactly the same way over the fact he's just helped Nero torch Rome and kill thousands of people. But all of that aside, (laughs) this was broadcast, what, two years before the first season of Star Trek, which was just as ambitious and just as horribly campy. And this was sci-fi in its infancy trying to do something and sometimes really tripping and falling on its face. But the thing is, if it wasn't for this and them trying stuff like this, we wouldn't have had some of the great sci-fi that we have had since then and Doctor Who helped define it. I agree but you can say that it about many right. things son. and you know you've got to say that about the good things really the things that did influence it in a positive way and I don't think this did. Okay I'll tell you what did and maybe I'm seeing this through influence lens here but we just started watching Fringe a while ago. I just started mm-hmm. season two so if you say anything. Oh really? Oh you've got so much good shit to go. Just, it, it gets yeah, really just, good. Just, just, just 
at you this think he's in your because Terry's got a very bad habit of spoiling things. But at this point in that series, we have no clue who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Not a fucking clue. And it's brilliantly done. And I guess I've been watching about a fringe episode every night, and I sit down and watch the web planet, and I'm like, oh, that's where they got the idea. This whole who's invading who and who's the aggressors, I love it. I love the concept. I love the science fiction behind the idea of a planet inhabited by evolved and intelligent insects, even though it was visually executed horrendously. There was so many great original ideas in this that I actually really enjoyed watching it. And some of the Hartnells, I have a hard time with the pacing. And normally I'm the one that goes there, Ulan. And yet this time, I didn't have a problem sitting through it. I really didn't. I'll give them credit for trying ants. But the problem is if you try that ant and you got legs sticking out and then the I other know. ant legs are so small, <laughs> why not just give that up and go, okay, we can't do ants. we got to make oh. it something else. Just don't even go there because it's not going to work. It kind of makes uh, you wonder if they'd had all the costumes made and then they saw what they looked like. Probably. I, but all you have to do is make one and just go, oh, you know. I is really good. And the moment actual people started appearing in front of a camera is when it all went to shit. <laughs> But I so at the beginning? <laughs> well, I think, that, I think the story is commendable. I don't know about the script itself. As I was watching this, I, I thought, well, I'm not going to find a page that's got quotes on or anything. I'm going to have to watch this and really, when I see that quote, which we always do our quotes thing at the end, I'm going to have to write it down. And I haven't written a single thing down because I just couldn't find anything that, that stood up as amusing, that stood up as an icon of Doctor Who or stood up as, I don't well, know. I completely forgot about Part the of the quotes. problem you were talking about Ian livening up the story and yeah he was but what could he do because all the characters are turned into zombies pretty much for a huge chunk of the story they're walking around in a trance which doesn't help because as a viewer I felt like I was in a trance I was just when is something good gonna happen here ugh it's enough to drive you to drink. Rah. Yeah. You don't need driving to drink. No, I don't. You just run lovingly towards it. I need it. driving home. <laughs> <laughs> Fetch my carriage. So, I guess we've kind of summed it, haven't we, really? Hmm. Very mixed opinion there. I think we can all agree that it's not aged well, but they're going to not no. a lot of the old ones do. No. Terry and I pretty much agree. You and Sam pretty much agree. Now, that's is yeah. I fuse <laughs> I don't entirely disagree with a lot of what you've said yeah, there, Sputters, but I still love it. <laughs> And I think it's nice you can't See, here's with. a case of fuchsia loving the campiness of something and forgiving it, whereas when you get to Sylvester McCoy, she just can't do that at all. And yeah, that's just shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's what I'm trying to tell you. This is shit. This didn't know any better. We're the two cynics. <laughs> no. We're the two real assholes, and yet for some reason... <laughs> I did forgive this while I was watching it. And Ulan and Terry, you are both completely right. I don't disagree with the thing you said. And yet I had fun. Emily, my, right. my dear lady wife, watched it with me and she's desperate to watch the last two episodes. She really enjoyed it. She thought it was camp yeah. and great. And you know, she just loved how brave it was for the time and all this kind yes, of stuff. I Whereas agree. I was cringing into a cushion, ashamed to show my hooness in public. Hey, I did find a quote. Really? Actually, a couple. ADJ, Atmospheric Density Jackets. And then here's another quote. My ship, my TARDIS. When he said that, it just got me. I don't know why. Because he remembered the punctuation at the end? 
so I don't know. It was just really sweet. He was he was freaking out because it was his ship, his TARDIS, and it was just I felt sentimental at that moment. There is a bit actually where he's talking to me, and I can't remember his exact lines, but he goes, "Oh, good gracious me!" In all my travels, uh, what are you doing over there, Chester? Come over here and learn something. I rather. Yeah, that was <laughs> oh, I have another quote. It goes like this: "Ha ha!" That's it. And on that bombshell. <laughs> to an episode of Top Gear. <laughs> oh, I do like a bit of Top Gear. Jesus. So, are we done, ladies and gentlemen? Should we oh, blow oh, this wait, stuff? Wait, wait, I've got a fringe Gallifrey tie-in. I don't care. So we go into the bar. Hands up, who cares? I don't see any hands. The dude who plays Walter yeah. he walks scary. into the bar ahead of us. Okay, so i got to ask. He is roughly a million years old and looks like he's built like a fucking linebacker. Is he dude, really? Dude, That's just yeah, not even right. Even more. Even more so because we went to the bar and it's not that he's huge. It's he's fit. He's totally cut and his body is like a 30-year-old's body with this like dude, old person's head. I was 30 years old. It wasn't happen. Yeah, it looks like they took someone's head and put it on a professional <laughs> Athlete. What? That's the way it right. went. All right. Our, our Facebook page has grown enormously. Our Google Plus has grown enormously. And people have been terribly, terribly kind. And thank you for being terribly, terribly kind and terribly patient with us. Um, Google Plus engorged. It is. Our Google Plus is engorged. I think it's like a stock market bubble. Once they realize what the podcast is really about, they're yeah. just like, what the fuck? I Maybe we should this. just run the Facebook pages and stuff from now on. And work for Craig. What's his face? No, I want to review... Mind dropper. I think that seeing as it's the 50th anniversary year, we should try and do a story for every doctor, if we can. We I think should. that's a nice idea. In order. Okay. Everyone agreed on Mind Robber next? Robber. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, next time, Mind Robber. Once again, we have been the Dirty Hose Doctor. Oh. Can, can I say <laughs> congratulations to our friend David for finally getting into printing Doctor Who magazine, one of the last interviews ever done with John Pertwee. Oh, it's a yeah. two-parter. It's brilliant. If you haven't seen it, go out and buy it. It is well worth having yeah, a look at. Yeah, it'll still be on the shelves when this comes out, won't it? That's great. Well, do you know, you can back order issues on this thing called the interwebs. Is it the <laughs> one where he's revealed to be a... I feel like the Gelf. A, a secret agent? It's like secret herding cats. Pity the Gelf. <laughs> you, you people have known... You're a gas monster then. Now you know the that's true. <laughs> yes. He wears a headset it's... and I've heard a few of them, so... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have been the Dirty Hose Doctor Who podcast. Don't any of you fucking dare interrupt me. Thank you very much. And good fucking night. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Dirty Hose Doctor Who podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at DirtyHooers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. Oh, yeah. We're also on Facebook. See you next time. How did I end up with the job of wrangling you bunch of fucking... I don't fucking want it to be over. Your fucking oh, idea, God. that's oh. why. <laughs> I don't want it to be over. I get some over. show with just this bunch of <laughs> stupid fucking stuffed animals to do it with. My God. Yeah, I think we should do a little clip show of Ulan's <clears throat> mood change from when he first said, I missed all of you up until that <laughs> carefully didn't have the recording button pressed. Oh, I know. And he said that, so there is no evidence that it actually happened. Uh, it's the fucking crossbow. <laughs> <laughs>